0: Sam's Pants Radio, Australia's least coherent podcast network. Total reboots. It's a beautiful way to start your day today. Listen to a freaking podcast that dares to discuss cinema. Reboots, remakes and rip-offs based on beautiful original movies. Today we're talking about an incredibly uh, propulsive, exciting, original work of English <laughs> cinema. My name is Alexi Taliopoulos and joining me as always is my best and dearest friend Cameron James. Hey Alexi, um, I just have to say, <laughs> just before we get too deep
1: into this film, um, you did start by saying good morning and mm. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge my people the nighttime dwellers, the evening folk, the people that pop their podcasts on once the sun has disappeared from the sky and they feel more confident lurking amongst the shadows and being themselves.
0: And, of course, people for years have been saying, well, Total Reboot, yeah, sure, it's about fucking reboots, remakes and rip-offs, but it's actually about light versus dark. Cameron represents yeah. everything about the nighttime, the icky, the creepy, the crawlies, and everything darkness in the world, where Alexi is a bastion of the light.
1: Yeah, that's how I see it. We're sort of like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the film Underworld.
0: Yeah. Or oh, sorry, the film franchise Underworld. Film franchise. I've seen the film Underworld, but yes, you've caught me in a lie. I've not seen the film franchise Underworld. <laughs> I've
1: also only seen the film Underworld. I have not seen the film franchise Underworld. But from what I understand, it's about a eternal battle between the vampires and the lichens Mm. aka the werewolves and that is sort of like what you just said except it's (laughs) about
0: monsters and they're both representative of the dark side of things because they transform at nighttime. but it's very similar it's a battle between two different things
1: two different things yeah
0: basically (laughs) i remember watching that movie on a cam rip dvd or it may have even god forbid been a vcd Oh my god. It was uh, when they were saying lichens, I was convinced that it was a weird dub into like another language where they didn't have the word werewolf.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I actually I didn't rewatch it, of course, but I was looking at underworld. Not in preparation
0: for this conversation.
1: I didn't I didn't rewatch it for this conversation. (laughs) But did you know that Michael Sheen is the main bad werewolf in that fucking franchise? I Isn't believe, that
0: insane? Oh. I believe also this... Im- okay, this is Hollywood gossip, which is insane. Michael Sheen's in those movies. <laughs> but fucking Michael insane. Sheen and Kate Beckinsale were an item. Yeah, I know. And the That's item crazy. I'm talking about is a love heart. They were a couple.
1: They were a couple. But now, now Kate Beckinsale is a free agent. She's free mm-hmm. to fuck Pete Davidson as often as she wants.
0: And he can fuck Sarah Silverman. They're both fucking <laughs> gorgeous comedians.
1: Wait a second, is he, fucking, is he fucking Sarah Silverman right well, now? Well, they
0: were, they were Well, not right now, I don't have him <laughs> I don't know for <laughs> sure, I know that they were But she, they divorced and she started dating um, the director of that film franchise
1: Oh, sorry, I thought you meant Pete Davidson was fucking Sarah Silverman And that oh, made no, me no. feel sick But <laughs> Michael Sheen fucking Sarah Silverman, I can get on board with that yeah, I'm, I'm that's totally exciting. fine with that That's exciting, that's mm-hmm. fun He's animalistic and a lichen, and she's just a bastion of light.
0: Yeah, just like you and I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, today we are talking about probably something that one would think would be a nighttime flick, a creepy crawly horror mm. film, but in fact, most of this film is set during the time of the Toliopolis. The lights. <laughs> uh, we're of course talking about the original, The Wicker Man, from 1973, directed by Robin Hardy. We're of course talking about this film because why, Cameron?
1: Because it was remade in 2006 into a icky, disgusting little <laughs> flick starring Nicolas Cage that is also called The Wicker Man.
0: Mm. Well, to differentiate them, I think we should call we should call them different things so we don't sure. get confused as we often yep. do on this podcast. May I propose to you, the first original film is freaking English. That's how we mm. can differentiate it. It's the English. We're not going to call it the English Wicked Man. That takes too long to say. But I propose that to channel the English channel, if you will. We call it the Wicked Man. <laughs> Does that make sense if every time... So people don't get confused when we talk about the Wicker Man versus the sure. Wicker Man, because that sounds like the same thing, because it's the same freaking words. But when we talk about the original one, we've got the Wicked Man. <laughs> yeah, Because people know it's Ali G, he's freaking English.
1: That makes sense to me. That Alistair Graham, me.
0: there's not a more English character name than Alistair Graham.
1: Alistair Leslie Graham.
0: Yeah, so they know. Uh, and what should we call the remake? Because now we, I, people might get confused. I reckon it's modern, it's hip, it's fun, it's okay. exciting.
1: Well, and it was made in 2006, which was a great era for like electro DJ yeah. sort of like EDM music. So maybe, yeah. maybe potentially we call it the Wicker Wicker Man.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think because it's the time of electro music <laughs> where everyone's bouncing around, fist pumping, they're listening to discs being spun by DJ Caruso. And so now <laughs> we're like, okay, the Wicked Man is the way of the past and the Wicked, wicked Man is the way of the future.
1: I think that's a much less confusing way to yeah <laughs> to talk about these two films
0: like we do have a very smart audience but every now and then we got to give you guys a break to rest your weary brains from every being such then, brainiacs
1: let's be honest you guys are absolute dipshits <laughs> absolute <laughs> dumbasses <laughs> And it's important that we make things easy for you. So that's why we've decided instead of mm. saying the Wicker Man and the Wicker Man, we're saying the Wicked Man and the Wicker Wicker Man.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just we've got to make it easy for you guys every now and then. <laughs> As we you said, you're dumb dipshits. <laughs> and we are brainy intellectuals that must feed you everything. But this that's is... True. We are reaching the towards the end of our Locked in the Cage special all about the actor, the mastermind, the shaman, Nicolas Cage.
1: Mm. Mm. It's true. And you know what? Uh, To coincide with COVID, we've actually locked ourselves in our own cages again, which is why the audio might sound a little bit different right now. Mm. I'm currently in my own cage, um, DVD Studios, and you are
0: currently in your own cage Blu-ray studios. So the sound may be crisper on my side. It may be coming to you in high-definition quality Mm -hmm, sound. mm -hmm. Cameron's may be coming at your beautiful, retro, standard definition (laughs) (laughs) in gorgeous 480p at some points. (laughs) So we apologise
1: for that. But we think it's only right that we lock ourselves Mm -hmm. in our own cages while we discuss the cage himself.
0: And the most locked-in movie. A movie where... Or franchise where it culminates in someone being locked into a wicker cage.
1: By the way, I'm so happy you said franchise because it kind of technically is. Even though the Wicker, wicker Man is a sequel, mm-hmm. this is technically a franchise universe. And we'll get to that. In we a shall bit. get
0: to that. Shall we'll we kick to things off, Cameron?
1: Let's do it. I am here to
0: investigate the disappearance of a young girl. Where is Rowan Morrison? If Rowan Morrison existed, we would know I suspect murder. Sergeant, I've already. Told... In the name of God, woman, what kind of mother are you? That can stand by and see your own child slaughtered. You are the fool, Mr. Harvey. You are liars. You are despicable little liars.
1: actually a really cool poster Yeah The poster on Letterboxd is fucking awesome
0: It's a It's the kind orange. of thing that
1: um, I would like to have a big version of Possibly in a frame mm. But not in my house, in your house
0: <laughs> <laughs> But you would like to sit beneath it
1: Yeah, I'd like to come over and look at it every now and then The Wicker Man, 19... 19- sorry, what movie are you talking about? Sorry, sorry, I fucked up already The Wicked Man, (laughs) 1973, directed by Robin Hardy, flesh to touch, flesh to burn, don't keep the Wicker Man waiting.
0: Oh, goodness gracious. What do you think of that tagline? I think it's very creepy. It's very evocative.
1: It's very erotic. Yeah. Flesh to touch. And we'll get deeper into that, I think, a little bit later. Yeah. Police Sergeant Neil Howie is called to an island village in search of a missing girl, whom the locals claim never existed. Stranger still, however, are the rituals
0: that take place there. Yeah, that sounds like a cool horror movie from that synopsis. <laughs> had you ever seen this film before, Cam?
1: Uh, I thought I had, but I really hadn't. I think I'd just seen clips from it, and mm. I'd seen, like... Christopher Lee yelling and stuff like that. But once we started watching the movie, I realised that the whole first two-thirds of the movie was completely new to me. I felt like I was visiting an island full of strangers
0: and I was <laughs> police detective Neil Howie. I think... Uh, how, what was your immediate reaction to this movie?
1: Um. Okay, I... I loved it. <laughs> if I can be 100%
0: honest with you, I really... Really like Cameron, you know, I'm a bastion of light. I feed off honesty and beautiful, truthful energy. So yes, you can be 100% honest with me.
1: Well, I'm glad you let me do that because I really, really liked it. I didn't think I was going to for Mm. some reason. I don't know. I thought, well, let's be 100% clear to our audience here. We've already watched the wicker wicker man. Yeah we watched that with our Patreon subscribers um, on a live feed, which was illegal. And uh...
0: Uh, we we bootleg style and we may have uh, cut a little shit from it,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it was very fun. So I had that in my head and, Mm. um, and and I thought this was going to be a little more along those lines, but it's not, it's actually, um, I don't know. I kind of like these like gentle horror movies Mm. where it's sort of, it is horror, but also nothing scary happens for like an hour and a half, sort of.
0: And it's also truly like a bizarre, unexpected... Like, I'd seen this before because I think this film had a resurgence around the time of the remake. Uh, like, a little mm. bit before had a resurgence, but then probably around the early 2010s it had another resurgence of, like, being hailed as, like, this British classic. I think they un- they were able to unravel... <laughs> Cameron, okay, let the record show (laughs) that we are doing this over FaceTime. (laughs) And Cameron just initiated (laughs) an emoji character over his face, his Bitmoji character. Sorry, he's now.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to turn it off, but now I'm. Like, what the fuck am I now? Now you're a rat. You're a rat. A big rat. A big rat. Okay, sorry. I'm. I'm. Oh god. <laughs> giraffe. Sorry. I'm turn, I'm trying to turn it off. There we go. All right. Back to normal.
0: Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Cameron went from a cartoon version of himself to a rat to a giraffe in within seconds. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh god. my god! Great, beautiful visual bit for the podcast. <laughs> but, um, the, but I think it had a resurgence around like the early 2010s because they uncovered like missing footage that was cut out from this movie. Because oh. I think this movie it wasn't it never was that long. It was only probably like 145 minutes around that mark. But the mm. studio. Oh, not even that much. I think under it was still would have been under two hours. and uh, But the studio thought that it was too long for this kind of movie, so they chopped out probably ten minutes on advice from Roger Corman after him hmm. seeing the movie. So they chopped out about ten minutes that went missing so this movie could become the B-movie for uh, Don't Look Now, the Nicholas Rogue classic horror movie with Paul yeah. Sutherland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think around the 2010s, they uncovered that footage and there became a final cut of this movie. They were able to make a director's cut, put more stuff out there. And I think from then it had like a bit of a resurgence it was like, wow, look how great this, like one of the greatest British movies of all time has finally like reached its proper form again for the general public. And mm. um, that would have been around the time that I saw it, but probably, and I remember loving it, but kind of a since escaped from my head. And watching it again now, what a weird mix of genres, unexpectedly! Like the script <laughs> yeah. feels like a melodrama, if anything, <clears throat> and then the actual movie, the production of it, is filmed like a musical. The movie is basically yeah. a musical, like a, this folk musical, and then <clears throat> the atmosphere and the editing is. The editing of like a repressed horror movie Mm. and i don't think that i've ever seen a mix like this that's not done in any kind of like satirical way at all where it's genuinely all of these genres combined to make something that's really quite disturbing
1: i honestly think uh that's why i liked it because it was so like it was goofy it's a fucking Mm. goofy ass movie from the very beginning like Okay, like it's set on this kind of like island, I guess around Scotland. Yeah, the Scottish Isles or something. Yeah, like around the Scottish Isles. So, it's kind of like that's already a pretty mystical Celtic kind Mm. of part of the world. But you have a lot of fun accents playing around in there. You got a lot of fun northern accents, Irish accents, Scottish accents playing around. Um, The vibe is really camp Mm. at parts. Really camp. Like people... People start dancing and singing at the drop of a hat. Um, There's like a 60s It girl or a 70s It girl, Britt Eklund, who's kind of like one of the main main people of the movie. And she doesn't even do her own speaking voice in this movie because she's Swedish or something. Mm. So they just got some, she's completely dubbed by like (laughs) some Northern English actor.
0: And it's it's like almost convincing, right? But then there's moments where it doesn't. I think it gives like an unsettling feeling as well. It's
1: so odd and camp. And then Christopher Lee, legit, I'm not making this up, is dressed like Austin Powers for maybe Mm. three quarters of the movie. Yes, And And he has
0: Austin Powers' haircut throughout the entire movie.
1: It's truly batshit insane goofy. And I think Mm. that's why I liked it so much because if it was... I think the the problem with the 2006 Wicker Man is that.
0: So what movie? Tra-
1: sorry, sorry. The uh, the 2006 Wicker Wicker Man. Yeah. Um, tra- it tries really hard to just be a disturbing horror movie. Mm. Um, and there's not there's camp moments in there that I think are unintentional. But this movie is so out there that it it will remain in my head forever. I think there's. <clears throat> there's a reason why it's a classic and it's because it's so fucking silly yeah and the silliness combined with the like horror of you know ritualistic sacrifice is uh quite an arresting
0: combination <laughs> totally and I think that it's it's held together by some really interesting performances but also like the casting like we said Britt Eklund's kind of like this 60s, 70s. It girl, sex symbol, supermodel. She was married
1: to um Peter Sellers. Did you know that? Yeah,
0: she was. Did you know
1: did you know this that he proposed to her after only seeing her photograph?
0: Oh my god, what a loser, dude. Isn't
1: that sickening?
0: That's what a sickening <laughs> loser. And this guy's held it as a freaking genius.
1: Yeah. He well like he freaking- reinvented the form of proposals. <laughs> He reinvented that. Not only did he invent some great comedy characters, he also taught the world that you can just objectify a girl from a photo and then make her marry you. So that's Ooh, awesome. God,
0: oh Peter Sellers sucks, dude. I'll admit it on the record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think there's there's one thing about this movie that I find like really uh, that adds to like this weird atmosphere that it creates. Whereas like you know, Edward Woodward, Christopher Lee, they're interesting looking men. All the male men mm. on this island Are interesting looking character actor types But mm-hmm. then every single woman on this island Is like a great beauty
1: yeah, yeah And I
0: think that there's something about that That adds like this Really creepy atmosphere And like this really strange world That mm. Edward Woodward's character My god, by the way the What the the weirdest name that has what ever been name. With, Edward Woodward What a wonderful name Edward Woodward, Edward Woodward, Edward Woodward comes to this island That sounds
1: like a DJ um, <laughs> fucking around with his name there
0: Yeah, it sounds like I'm a freaking beatboxing, dude Edward Woodward, Edward Woodward, Edward Woodward, Edward Woodward, Edward Woodward. <laughs> That's how you learn how to beatbox, dude you got to say Edward Woodward's name like yeah. 40 times
1: <laughs> Yeah, they, they say that you should either say cats and dogs Cats mm-hmm. and dogs and cats and dogs and cats and dogs Or Edward Woodward, Edward Woodward, Edward Woodward <laughs> It's very cool. Dude, I've been Joel teaching big box us. lessons.
0: Joel, Joel Turner was our, was our yeah. mentor and our Cameron teaches on.
1: Joel Turner came through town. Alexi and I became disciples of Joel Turner.
0: We were the modern day poets following in his footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm but, just
1: imagining all the people googling Joel Turner right now and be like, "Who the fuck are they talking?"
0: About? Okay, Joel Turner was a celebrity in Australia in the early 2000s. He appeared on Australian Idol as a beatboxer. It was the first time in this country we'd ever seen that mystical art ever be brought to our <laughs> land, and he became a major celebrity for about one year. <laughs>
1: A and it's li-
0: a major star, huge song. It's called A-lister. "These Kids." It's a, a song called "These Kids," and it's hectic. But it took <laughs> over the the entire popular unconscious of a nation, and <laughs> has lived on in references on Australian podcasts and by comedians <laughs> for the last fifteen years. Have kept his name alive. <laughs> <laughs> I think that. This, like, it it adds something to this island of, like, this very repressed Catholic man who is Mm. Edward Woodward. (laughs) and the later-day poets coming to this island. um, And, like, him being this very sexually repressed and, like, repressed man. And then just every woman being, like, absolutely gorgeous. It adds to this mystery Mm. of what this is because, like, this otherwise this island looks like freaking Postman Pat or, like, the island of Sodor from Thomas the Tank. Where it's, like, this Mm -hmm. very unassuming place. You don't assume it to be, like in the remake of, like, this place of, like, druids or, like, mysticism. It just looks mm. like a lovely English, like, British kind of Isles country side. Yeah. Like, Island of Sodor is really my only point of reference.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's... um uh, That right away, I think you've already summed up why this movie is a little bit more uh, relevant or it has more of a point or something to yeah. me. It's that... This movie really, really hammers home that it's about Christianity versus mm-hmm. paganism. It's about like new religion versus old religion. Um, it's uh, you know, carnal carnal sin versus mm. whatever the fuck the other one is. But it's this that's what this movie is about. The Wicker Wicker Man from two thousand six mm. from memory is not. Yeah. It's not it's not about a Christian man who then has his faith and uh Um, Purity challenged by the people on this island It's just about Nicolas Cage on an island But this one, I think it it holds more resonance Because coming out in the 70s as well And being set in the UK Mm. To be a film where Christianity is being challenged by paganism I think that makes makes it more provocative in many Mm. ways
0: And I think around this time I was reading that At this point, like the early 70s and late 60s in the UK, there were all these books that became very popular about paganism, about druids, about like uh, this kind of like pagan religions, these old religions. There was something coming like in vogue about them. There were all these books about (laughs) those, that time period, these rituals, like this ritualistic thing kind of mixed with like a bit of like paranormal or supernatural like there were fictional books and also like factual books characterizing the history of them and the wicker man itself i'm talking about the actual wicker man not either of the films so that's why so you're allowed to say it i'm using a natural version of it just saying uh, the the concept of the wicker man uh, Mm -hmm. it it comes from like this this book that was like a kind of like a charted journey and diary of Julius Caesar, his Gallic, like through his Gallic Wars. And Mm. it was, um, it was a, that's the only reference in history to it. That's like kind of accurate is that when he was like crossing through like the The region there was like these wicker men that that held like these bodies that were like apparently like this ritualistic thing of the druids. It was just one sentence, but it kind of has lived on through these things, and that's like the one historical point that can be that can give evidence of the wicker man being a real thing. And I do I do like that
1: whole idea of um, druids and paganism and all these rituals that are about the earth. Because they still exist, like they, it's still in a much more benign form. I don't think, um, I don't think people, are, like, if you go to a Steiner school, I don't think they're sacrificing year seven kids or whatever. Um, <laughs> they're not bringing a policeman
0: to come over <laughs> and hiding one of the kids.
1: <laughs> but my my friend went to um a Steiner school growing up. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's kind of like a. I don't know new sort of new age um, type of education system, the Steiner education system, and he was telling me that when he was in year eight, a possum a possum got electrocuted on the um, wires out front of school and died. And the groundskeeper took the dead body of the possum around to every classroom in the school just to show everyone oh what happens, Lord. what happens to animals when they die and stuff. Oh, wow. And it was just like, yeah, that was just like a normal thing. No one questioned it. The groundskeeper just showed up with a possum on a shovel. And the teacher was like, come in, come in,
0: children, okay. gather around. I truly, this is how far removed I am from that world. I can't even imagine a shovel indoors, let alone <laughs> there's a dead boss on it been charted around to all these children. But that's like, that's so, that's
1: modern. That's in, within the last 10 years. Mm. And that's sort of like a mainstream
0: Wait, within the last system. 10 years, you've got like a five-year-old friend. <laughs> you've got like this 12-year-old friend that you're hanging out with.
1: He's 13 and he's my best friend. And there's nothing weird about us.
0: And I don't think it's weird either. I think it's cool and I I respect it. (laughs) Respect. And uh,
1: (laughs) anyway, so that's like, that's pretty modern and that's still happening. So I find it very interesting because it's such a world away from my experience growing up in an incredibly Catholic family who didn't really acknowledge the earth at all mm. and like and then i don't know when i see these kind of movies that are about rituals and pagan and like doing things for god for the, the gods mm it freaks me out on some deep level. I think that is because I was raised the way I was.
0: Yeah, it's very challenging to like the kind of the norm, the ideas of the norm. Like, especially we see Neil, we see Neil Howey, Edward Woodward's character, when he, like the first kind of interaction he has is like very odd at the pub and it's like mm. meant to be this this island that's rich of like uh, like harvested natural food uh-uh. and stuff and like that's what the unique thing about this island is meant to be but then mm. he's given like this dog shit food like these blue little broad beans that are from a can and stuff like that and so immediately yeah. his ideas are challenged of like what Is this place And then he goes outside And it's like a mass orgy On like the moors Of like all Mm. these pasty people Just absolutely going to town In each other's pennies and pussies
1: Yeah, it definitely made me want to visit that island (laughs) When you see that scene You go, holy shit What's the name of this place? And you start Google earthing it (laughs) You look up Trying to zoom in
0: I'm trying to zoom in on (laughs) it. (laughs) I was like, Jetstar,
1: do they go there? Surely. Surely Jetstar go to somewhere. <laughs> Jet Yeah, Jetstar,
0: seaplanes, they probably drop me nearby, get a dinghy across.
1: <laughs> get a dinghy, put on a dummy, and then just go to town. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. So that's almost immediately this film becomes sensual, I would say. And it's a sensuality Very that is not awesome. present in the 2006 version. This is very 70s, and it's very, like, we're challenging purity and Christianity by showing an island full of people that just all fuck each other and no one's one's got a problem with that. There's a scene Mm. just before that where uh, Neil Howie is being shown to his room by Britt Eklund, the landlord's daughter, and everyone in the pub starts singing this song Mm. called The Landlord's Daughter... About how they've all fucked her. Yeah. And the landlord, her fucking father, is there just loving it.
0: Yeah. He's just, like, well, I inspired just this laughing, gorgeous music.
1: laughing and clapping and, like, getting involved. And it's like, they're singing about how they've all rooted your daughter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful song. I think it's gorgeous, actually.
1: So, like, right away you go, oh, okay, this is, this is a bit of an odd place, especially for a Christian to be. Mm. And it seems like the whole... The purpose of that first, like, two-thirds of the movie is purely about the temptation of the flesh. It's all yes. about him. Is he going to stay pure? Is he going to be drawn to um, all these women that clearly want to bang him? Mm. They all dance
0: around all the time. <laughs> I think that that it's, it's really interesting how much of a musical this movie is. This is kind of like a folk music horror movie where like you said, like this landlord's daughter song is like one of the first things that happens on mm. this island. And it is used to, as musicals are to kind of stop the action and develop character and to develop like a sense of place. It's like Belle, like coming out and going like, the what's that? Who's this? I'm a Mm. little girl who got fucked by everyone in the town. (laughs) Like it's basically (laughs) like that moment. And it's so bizarre that this movie is an actual musical where there's all these folk numbers that either propel the story or pause and give ideas on like character or ideas on like what this place is and misdirections. And it's like this could absolutely be like transformed to a stage musical uh, about all of this stuff. Fairly easily using just maybe two extra songs. Because it's like, you know... I've got to
1: say, if it was ever turned into a musical, which it very easily could, it would have to be a comedy. Yeah. There's no... It's almost a comedy already.
0: Absolutely. Because it's so... It's so so
1: close to being
0: funny. I think all the little men on the island are like little comic characters. (laughs) Yeah, they're all like little fucking... They're all like Bob Hoskins in Hook.
1: They're all just like little <laughs> men <laughs> with like tiny little round glasses. Yeah, and they're like big oh, bulbous noses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hello there. Where are you going? Oh, you're gonna have sex with the landlord's daughter.
0: I've warmed her Blime up for you. I've also had sex with her too. <laughs> this is like got brum humour. <laughs> 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 like every Real guy's humor. every guy's a fat controller. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it's such an. Come on down movie. to the
1: moors, then we're having a right bloody orgy. <laughs> and then Christopher Lee comes along with his insane voice, mm-hmm. and he's dressed like Austin Powers. And do you remember that scene where he's like serenading um Britt Eklund through the window mm. from the ground, and he's going like um Have a wonderful night this evening, Britt. And I hope you make yourself happy And I hope you make him happy too Enjoy each other And I shall see you on the morn It's like <laughs> this bizarre Shakespearean Like moment It's like Romeo at the outside Juliet's balcony But He's telling her to fuck the police officer. It's so strange.
0: Yeah. I think like, it's almost hilarious. I think that this movie is so close to being hilarious at points where it's just, like, gently funny. Like, there's the, <laughs> one of the first scenes is, like, he lands in his seaplane, like, probably, you know... Uh, like 100 meters away from the coastline, and he has <laughs> yeah. to get a megaphone and just like start screaming <laughs> to them to bring a diggy out. They're like, Go away, this is private <laughs> land. And it's like, This is like Shaun of the Dead stuff, or like Hot Fuzz, rather.
1: It's very Hot
0: Fuzz, yeah. I, get, I mean, this has to be like <clears throat> one of the big influences for Hot Fuzz.
1: Yeah, that sort of like Northern culty humor. Mm. Man, it's so, I hadn't seen anything like it. It's so absurd. I really, I really did enjoy it. I think, and mm. I enjoyed it the more batshit it got. And mm. I also enjoyed how much of it was directly like reused for the 2006 version. Mm. Um, way more than I thought it would be. Yeah, and way know? more
0: that kind of seems possible. Watching this movie, like, how can this ever be translated to anything else other than what it is exactly in this 1973 moment?
1: Yeah, I don't know how you could watch this and think um, we need to remake this movie mm. at all. Like, I really don't know how you could... It's so crazy in all of its time. I don't know how you could think that it would work in 2006. And, and I guess it didn't. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess it's kind of like that thing like Suspiria... Where Suspiria is such a unique film, and Mm. Suspiria has a cool and interesting plot, but the original film is not about the plot whatsoever. It's just about this aura, this vibe, vibe, this visual, this performance style, and all of that stuff. And I think this movie is kind of the same. Whereas, like you know, it's all about like the the ritualistic message. It's all about the idea Mm. of like. Uh, new faith versus old more supernatural faith as we see it now it's about like flesh versus like um, chastity carnalism versus chastity Mm. and uh, all of those things and it's not exactly directly about the plot like it is uh, but it is more about like creating this weird sense of unease through like different means than most horror movies do so i think like you could watch this movie and be like okay i want to do a version of this that is about this plot that is this detective Mm. movie this more straight detective movie we give him more straight motivations of like how to like uncover this case and it's all about that and maybe like <clears throat> I guess maybe speaking from seeing the remake it's about the be uncovering your one's own sanity and like losing one's mind in like this very specific place but I don't know, like it's like you said, watching this movie it's like, why would you want to do anything different to what this is and why would you want to remake instead of like so many of the other movies that have lived on in this wake like movies like Kill List come to mind mm. and I yeah. guess Hot Fuzz, Midsummer, Midsummer yeah. where you're like, okay, I like this idea of coming into a cult and not realizing it's a cult until mm. later on and... uh developing ideas around that and creating unique ways on like exploring this world and these ideas of like um, modern world coming to a more – a pagan or like old religious world with like old lifestyles before like chastity and everything.
1: But it even makes – it makes so much more sense being that this is a story about religion because the ending – ...makes sense with what we know about these Mm. old druidic rituals, you know? Like, everyone who's listening to this knows how the movie ends. You've Mm -hmm. all seen the image of the wicker man. You know that it ends with the main guy being locked inside a giant wicker man... Mm -hmm. ...and then set on fire and kind of burned in a ritualistic fashion. I knew that image. I didn't know what it was for. Mm. And what it's for is, you know, that they're sacrificing him to the gods so that they can have a good harvest because they've had a few bad harvests in a row so they've been sacrificing young girls and that hasn't been working very Mm. well. So they decide, well, we need like the purest of the pure. If we can sacrifice someone completely pure, then we'll be doing the gods a a good service. And so they sacrifice him because not only does he represent the law, Mm -hmm. but he is a fucking... Virgin dude.
0: He's a freaking virgin, dude. Like he's the, a virgin. He's an absolute virgin. And the guy looks like in his thirties, maybe forties. Yeah. The guy could be pushing his forties. He's the freaking 40-year-old virgin. Yeah, dude. That's who this that should be the remake. Should be freaking Judd Apatow sitting down with all his friends and making out and turning it down. Imagine if that's how the 40-year-old virgin ends. If, like, he gets sacrificed. <laughs> he gets he gets sacrificed to the wicker man <laughs> because <laughs> it is proven that he's a true virgin. <laughs> That's kind of
1: what this movie is. He's like this older guy and he's so fussy and he gets so horny at one point. Mm. Remember that point in the movie where <laughs> um, Britt Eklund is in her own room and she's singing this song and dancing around mm. and he can like sense... That from his room psychically, yeah. he can feel it. And he gets up and he starts like banging on the walls, and he's all sweaty and he's writhing around and stuff. It's like, man, this 40 year old virgin is about to bust. Yeah, he's this like guy's... groaning
0: against the wall. You can feel the heat from their groins coming <laughs> up against the walls.
1: He's like, this 40 year old virgin is about to freaking bust all over the walls.
0: But <laughs> he doesn't. He stays it's like a freaking Todd Salon's movie, dude. This little kid's gonna bust on <laughs> the wall.
1: But he doesn't, and that's why he gets to be sacrificed. Mm. And I think that makes so much more sense to me as a as the ending of a ritualistic pagan yeah. movie that they they sacrifice a virgin. You know, like that's kind of what we know of, the, of this culture. Yeah, and it, it's it's satisfying to me to go. Okay, good. Well, he <laughs> he was pure, and so he's being punished for it. Like, yeah, that's, uh, I find that very satisfying.
0: And it's interesting, like, that to get someone to sacrifice. They, it's. I was just reading again, like, what, why he's chosen. And so it's because mm. he, he, he arrives at the island willing because he's here on the case. He is king-like in that he has, like, the power of the king representing the law, and then he's a virgin fool and... I think that all of that is set up so well and like the way that they you find these moments where they challenge him and it's like he go you realize at the end of this movie that he's been doing he's been going through all these tests to be validated for them to validate whether he is the the actual person to be sacrificed. And so, so good that it's been like, you think that you've been watching this detective movie of him unsuccessfully trying to like uncover this mystery and having all these setbacks in it. But then there's this moment of realization where he's being brought to the Wicker Man and realizing that it has been a test just to find out if he's the word sacrifice. If he was pure of heart. (laughs) And the, also, the imagery of the Wicker Man itself is absolutely incredible. And it's so it's very exciting cool. that it is... Like, you know, it's used in the marketing, like since then we all know what the Wicker Man looks like. It's on every poster. But it's amazing that watching this movie to realise that you only see the Wicker Man for like less than one minute. It's the final Mm. like ten shots of this movie, these reverses of him seeing the Wicker Man and knowing his faith fate and then screaming like, God no, Jesus Christ no and like the amount of fear that is in Edward Woodward's performance in that. Yeah, it's really good powerful shit right so really good and then just like the ending is just him getting burned in this wicker man and the head falling off and seeing the sunset and you're just like oh the sunrise uh, sunset sunset Mm. and just kind of going like it's left in the air like okay are they going to have a good harvest is this real or is this just like they're a doomed people and none of this pagan shit is real anyway
1: yeah and and I like that we don't really know. I like that it's not very fantastical. Mm. Even though there's moments of that sort of feel like they're fantasy, but mm-hmm. it's not um yeah, you're right. It could just be that these people are fucking idiots who <laughs> live on an island and, yeah. and kill people and it's not working, you know? Like I kind of like that. And also, one thing you forgot to say is while he's being burned alive in, inside the wicker man, and that's a fucking scary image, mm. especially because he's like screaming mm. and he's praying at the same time. So he's like, he's calling out to God and he's yeah. doing this elaborate like prayer from the Bible. He's singing that, so that
0: shepherd's prayer.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's quite scary. But while that's going on, the rest of the townsfolk... ...full on are like... ...they're gathered around the Wicker Man... ...holding hands... ...and it's like fucking hair or something... Mm. ...like they're singing... ...they're singing like this Godspell. like really... Yeah. yeah, it's like Godspell... ...they're singing this crazy like... ...Summer of Love style... um ...like chant... Mm. ...and it's sort of silly... ...like I was laughing... ...and I think that's why it's so powerful... ...because it's so silly... ...and fucking Christopher Lee has absurd hair... ...his hair's huge... It looks like he has been electrified
0: all... at all points in yeah, this movie. Yeah.
1: And they're all wearing like beads and stuff like mm. that. It, it kind of looks literally like the end of The 40-Year-Old Virgin yeah. where everyone is <laughs> dancing around to <laughs> the age of Aquarius. Yeah, it is.
0: <laughs> it and they're all wearing like, like these that. weird
1: animal masks and stuff. It's so silly but so scary at the same time. And I think that's what makes it cool. Yeah. Mm. And you don't get that in the 2006 version, which we will get to next week. Yeah. Did you know, Alexi, first of all, that there was a, a sequel written to this movie?
0: I think I'd heard there was a sequel, but I don't know too much about it. It's called
1: The the Loathsome Lampton Worm. Okay. What do you think of that title?
0: I think it's absolute absolute shit title. It wouldn't get <laughs> anyone to come see a movie in the cinema, let alone evoke imagery of the Wicker Man.
1: And uh, in that in that uh, script treatment, which was written, um, Edward Woodward's character
0: survives. Mm, okay, he survives the fire, just like and- Mustafa, but very badly burned. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and very badly burnt. <laughs> and uh, and then some other cops come to the island, and uh, the group of them, you know, try to find Lord Summerisle and try mm. to arrest him, and in the process. They discover a dragon that lives underneath the island.
0: Uh, and that must be the loathsome worm. worm.
1: Okay, and they have to battle a giant dragon. Oh god! Anyway, um, <laughs> they Schaefer wrote a script treatment for it and presented it to Robin Hardy. And Robin Hardy, I read a statement from him from the '90s saying, "Yeah, I read the treatment. It wasn't very good. I think he showed it to a few people, and we all agreed it just wasn't." very good at all and no one would want to see it so there you go
0: yeah fair enough but
1: he did make a sequel to it sort of eventually
0: yeah i was reading about it i but i couldn't find too much about it really it's when did he make in the 90s 2000s it's uh it's
1: 2011 it's a long time later
0: oh wow maybe that's around the time that they uncovered the uh the director's cut of the original
1: it's interesting because it's um it's actually written by Robin Hardy. It's not written by Schaefer okay. at all. And uh, it's called The Wicker Tree mm-hmm. or The Wicker Tree. And <laughs> it's not a straight sequel. It's kind of like a sister sequel or a companion piece. Mm. It's sort of like the um, Everybody Wants Some to Dazed and Confused. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah. A few years later, feels yeah. like a sequel, but just spiritually so.
1: But it has it has Christopher Lee in it oh, wow. as a an unnamed older man who is most likely Lord Summerisle. Mm. So that's pretty strange, right? The whole thing is. And strange.
0: Robin Hardy has had like an interesting career because this was his debut film as a director. And uh, I I know that this film kind of came about because Christopher Lee was looking to do something outside of Hammer Horror and move on Mm. a little bit and redefine his career a bit more away from playing your Draculas, your Rasputins and stuff like that. And so this kind of came around because they found this book called Ritual that Robin Hardy and uh, Anthony Schaefer... It's a loose adaptation. It only really takes a couple of things from it, one being finding a hair in the coffin and it is about a police officer who comes to investigate the ritual ritualistic mm. killing of a young girl um yeah. but that's about where it's about where it kind of changes and the only other thing is kind of like there I saw this thing of the author reading the book David Pinner his book ritual also saying like well yeah they also took this scene which is like the two people Uh, with their hot groins riding up against the wall on either side of each other. (laughs) It was a very evocative piece. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what's in the movie. They've captured the exact They also took the
1: fuck sequence from it. Let's not forget that. They took the part where he nearly busts a nut all over a wall.
0: (laughs) And that's in my book. Me, David Pinner, has written this book. And yes, Pinner is an apt name for me. (laughs) Um, But they... And um, they, they... Picture to Christopher Lee as being like a new part of his career. And they mm. got a very established cinematographer, Harry Waxman to come on board this movie who'd done like, uh, the Swiss family Robinson and stuff like that. And like kind of bigger, like he's very, very, uh, well-established cinematographer in English film. And they brought him on to like, kind of like help manage the movie as Robin was like a new filmmaker and also he has like a lot of like ability with special effects. so there was like some thought that maybe they would put more special effects in this movie to like make it more interesting of a horror film. And mm. I think part of this movie' like charm is that like it is this first film by Robin Hardy who is able to experiment a lot more than one would if like you knew genre so well and like how to make like a genre movie and he kind of hasn't, didn't make much after this. He made like one no, other movie. Doesn't look like it, and it's. I mean, it's one of those cases where this movie was so weird and so strange it just like kind of the the studio tanked while it was still being made and while it was like in the edit and stuff. So it's like this weird like movie that can only exist under like this perfect circumstances of, I guess, some sort of failure.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, it looks like he really. He tried to do something in the 80s, this thing, of The Fantasist, mm-hmm. which it looks like that exists. And another thing he wrote a few years later called The Bull Dance. And then, that's 1989, nothing again until 2011 when he got to make The Wicker Tree. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he really like, hung all his stars on The Wicker Tree wagon because... Mm-hmm. He, he made The Wicker Tree and then he was pitching a third movie in the Wicker Man trilogy, which is something called The Wrath of Gods. And it looks mm. like he, he did a Kickstarter for it and it never really came to fruition. Yeah. But he, he'd sort of decided, well, I guess I'm the Wicker Man guy. Yeah. And all I'm going to do is make Wicker Man movies.
0: And apparently... I and think it never he, really happened. He disowned the uh, the remake, I believe. To some extent. Yeah,
1: but they all do, don't they? When something gets remade, they all Yeah. They all fucking disown it at a certain point. I'm interested in this The Wrath of Gods. Like what more can you mm. say about this sort of pagan ritual type thing? From I'm reading the synopsis of the Wicker Tree and it's the same plot. It's just about Christians who get mm. fucking tempted by pagans and then killed by them. And then The Wrath of the Gods, I'm assuming, is that exact same story again. Mm. What more can, you, what more what can, more can, you, can you say with it?
0: Yeah. I, I think that this is a really interesting movie and I think it deserves like its place in horror history, in English cinema history that it has achieved in the last couple, last couple of decades or so. Hmm. I think that there's really nothing quite like this movie and it stands alone ...as this really interesting, unique horror film... ...despite there being like a direct remake of it? I agree. I actually think it's really
1: cool. I'm I'm very impressed by it. I would watch it again. Wow. It's one of those things where I think it's going to be... ...in a couple of years, I'm going to be in the mood to watch it again. Wow. And I'd, I'd like to watch it with people. I think it's something that's so unique... And just, it has just enough kind of like camp, mm-hmm. slightly outdated 70s stuff, just enough silliness and just enough genuine horror. Plus like you've got, you've got Christopher Lee, who's like a horror star. Mm. I think it's something that would play really well with a group and I'd love to watch it with a group. But maybe that's just me fantasizing about a time when you could we're watch... not all locked in our own cages <laughs> and we can, we can watch things with groups.
0: Well, we're moving from One Cage to Nicolas Cage next week, which effectively could bring us to the end of our Nicolas Cage mega-series for now. We're going to be discussing The Wicker Man starring... Sorry, oh, what? God. Sorry, I'm so sorry, everybody. I just want to apologise to you, Cameron, to everybody <laughs> listening okay. for confusing you. I it wasn't on purpose. I, That's okay. I was I didn't mean to lead astray. I didn't mean to do it on purpose. I'm trying to be as clear as I can about what movie we're talking about next week.
1: That's okay. Just say it again. Next okay. week we're watching. Next watching? week
0: we're watching a movie saying Nicolas Cage, directed by Neil mm-hmm. LaBute. Butte. The movie is called The Wicker Wicker Man. And it is, of course, about Nicolas Cage as a, as a young EDM DJ traveling to an island for, I guess, some sort of exciting, uh, some exciting Burning Man-type festival. <laughs> yeah, and we have
1: already watched that. We watched mm-hmm. that with our Patreon subscribers and we had a lot of fun with that. Um Everyone was so funny. It was yeah. one of those screenings. We've done a few of them before where we sort of all watch together and t- tee off about it yeah. in a chat room. And um, Jesus Christ, everyone is so funny. Yeah. Everyone had the best burns the whole way through it. It was, was a such
0: a fun experience. That was really great because we hosted it. We, had, like, some, we hosted it. We did some intros and we did some comedy in between the movies and just like having a great conversation with everyone. Uh, we will probably do another one in the near future for the mm. patron subscribers again for what our next mega-series will be. We're going straight from a Nicolas Cage mega-series to another mega-series about another beloved, interesting, fantastic, wickedly talented actor. We won't <laughs> say who it is yet. We want it to be a bit of a surprise. And we've got a movie in mind that we'll do as a bonus episode yeah. that will take us off form Nicolas Cage and we will be facing yep. our new mega star to do our new yeah. mega series on. We, it's, it's a
1: really, I don't want to give it away. It's too, yeah. I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, this bridging movie that we are going to use, as you said, will take us off Nicolas Cage and let us face our new person who, as you mentioned, is wickedly talented. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, when when we watch his work, I think the chicks will cream. That's all I can say.
0: <laughs> and you know and we go. We're not really we don't want to give away too many clues or anything because we know you're such a smart audience that you might mm. start sleuthing around and figure out who we're talking about. Yeah, we want it to be yeah. a tremendous surprise. So if you have an idea, just think again, you might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you also big shout out to our friends Aesthetic Static Vision uh, Felix that helped us out with that uh, live stream we will probably do another one and the stream will make the chicks cream from what I understand this time <laughs> uh, it will be electrifying etc and yeah. um, that will be happening eventually but if you want to find out more about that kind of stuff and get some more bonus content from us you can head over to patreon.com slash total reboot to sign up for five bucks a month you get access to that plus more bonus content plus the Facebook Group, where we're talking about movies all the time. It's been a really beautiful place to be hanging out with in the last couple of months while things have been locked down and while it looks like we're going to be locked down again where we live in Sydney as well. In a, Who knows? It does feel like that. Um, yeah, but it does. Uh, and also, Stake Vision is doing uh, more live streams throughout lockdowns and throughout isolation. So if you want to watch movies with people, they do one almost every weekend. I think it's every other weekend at the moment of interesting film festival-like movies uh, that if you want to explore cinema, it's a great way to feel like you're doing it with people like you used to back in the olden times.
1: Oh God, remember the olden times?
0: Yeah, man. Cool shit like Wicked Men. Yeah,
1: Wicked man.
0: Uh Cam, um, you've got some fun live gigs happening this weekend, right?
1: I was just gonna say, um, if you don't follow me on Instagram, and why wouldn't you? Please do. I'm at I am Cameron James, mm-hmm. and I will be posting my gigs up on there. There's not many, uh, as everyone knows. Like most live entertainment doesn't exist at the moment, but I've got a couple mm-hmm. coming up um, over the weekend and next week. So follow me on Instagram for all that information. I'll put it all up on there. Yep. And also, I'm gonna be organising a yearly trip to Summer Isle because Mm. it looks awesome. And all I can say is, you know, BYO dummies because we're going to go absolutely buck wild on the moors and just freaking orgy it up in a fantastical way. It's going to be
0: hectos, dude. It's going to be absolutely hectic stuff. Um, Are you doing a live stream with Josh Earl?
1: I am. That's right. On Saturday, I'm doing a live. Don't you know who I am? Mm-hmm. I think it's five. Oh, sorry, four thirty this Saturday, and it's uh, myself, Becky Lucas, Ursula Carlson, who has a new special up on Netflix, and Beth Stelling, who's an amazing comedian mm.
0: from
1: LA. So, yeah, check that out. Don't you know who I am? Josh Ells podcast. I'll be there. I'll be one of the only two guys on there.
0: Hectic, dude.
1: Representing the gender disparity.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. The battle of the sexes reigns supreme. It's not <laughs> the battle between the light and the dark. It's the battle of the sexes, dudes. <laughs> uh, but I'm uh, very jealous. It's you and my four best friends hanging out. Best and Ursula Carlson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you were best friends with them.
0: Oh, very tight, dude. We got a group chat.
1: Oh god damn, I'm so jealous (laughs)
0: Um, And if you're in Australia, I'm on the mix I believe this weekend Talking about some movies including Baby Teeth And uh, The King of Staten Island A myth preview from Melbourne International Film Festival And the new Stan horror movie Relic uh, so that's on ABC. It'll be on iView as well. Very cool, dude. Very cool. We'll see you guys. Hey,
1: I was going to suggest yep. on the mix. Um, instead of reviewing movies, you should start reviewing books because I found a book you might like. Um, I just <laughs> looked it up now on Amazon. <laughs> the
0: Dummies Guide to Movies. You freaking idiot! <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's actually called The Wicker Woman, and oh, it's wow. written by David Pinner. the really?
0: man
1: with the beautiful pendic. Has written wow. a sequel, a sequel thirty years later to his book Ritual, that is about more
0: wicker stuff. I thought that was a uh, written by the Eagles. No, that's Witchy Woman. <laughs> I think we should call. Okay, so we've got Wick, Wicked Man. We've got yeah the Wicker Wicker Man, and we've got wicked Woman. <laughs> that's how we have to d- draw differences between them.
1: Very cool. Very cool.